0: Welcome everybody to today's webinar, which is adapting to a remote workforce and your behavioral assessment. They're gonna go hand in hand today as we have our three panelists joining us, our presenters, Kathy Frank, Lexi Sutton, and Clayton Ramsey. You'll be hearing from them in a moment. I'm gonna give you a couple of housekeeping tips. Uh, On the next slide, you'll see that everybody is on mute as we start, just helps us reduce the background noise. If you could please post your questions throughout the webinar, if you have them in the Q and A section at the bottom of your screen helps us kind of keep an eye on those a little bit better than if they're in the chat. So if you have a question, feel free, put it in the Q and A. Um, Kathy and Lexi and Clayton will answer those if, uh, in context. If it uh, happens to be something they're discussing or at the end, there'll be q and A. Q&A. We are recording today's webinar. It will be available to you on vScoop.com in a few days. And if you have questions after the webinar, you can post them to our Collaborate forums. You see the link there on the screen. Just go to dscoop.com and click on Collaborate. Or you can email us at hello at dscoop.org. We will get your questions answered by fielding them to the right person. And with that, I would love to welcome Kathy, Lexi, and Clayton. Let them introduce themselves briefly to you. And we will get started on learning more about ourselves and our remote workforce.
1: And thank you, Ginger, for that kind introduction. Um, good afternoon, good afternoon uh, to everyone on this call. Um, we want to thank every one of you for choosing to spend your valuable time attending this DeScoop conference on adapting to a remote work we- workforce, workforce webinar. Our primary goal this afternoon is to provide each of you with an informative session that brings value add to your day, and might even bring a smile to your face along the way. I'm Kathy Frank, I'm Vice President of PI Mid-Atlantic and I am a PI Teaching Fellow. Clayton Ramsey, uh, two very special people, our uh, colleagues of mine and Alexis Sutton will be co-facilitating different segments of this session. And with that in mind, I will pass this over to Clayton for his brief intro and then to Lexi who will get things started for us.
2: Thanks very much, Kathy. Welcome, everybody. Thanks again for joining on today's webinar. Uh, My name is Clayton Ramsey. I'm the Client Success Manager at PIM Atlantic. I've been working with the Predictive Index Program for uh, just over five years now and really excited to be sharing today's content as we're all thrust into uh, mostly remote work situations. We think you'll find this very informative today.
3: Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Alexis Sutton. I am a talent optimization advisor at PIM Atlantic. And we're excited we've prepared an interactive program for all of you today. And the workbook, which I'm actually going to send over in the chat right now as well. If you don't have a copy of that, you can download it uh, as we're getting started here. And you can also pull out a copy of your PI behavioral assessment graph. We'll be using that as we're going through the program. If you didn't complete the PI before the session, we will have a link available if you want to complete it afterward. You're more than welcome to Um, On the slides at the bottom right hand corner, wherever you see this red box with the workbook page, it will show you it will tell you what uh, corresponding workbook page number that we are on So if everyone could turn to page two in their workbook and you'll see our agenda. Today, we plan on discussing, during the session, tips for managing remote uh, teams effectively. We'll go through a brief overview of the PI Behavioral Assessment, what it measures, what it doesn't measure. You'll learn how to uh, decode your PI Behavioral Assessment graph. We'll close with a self-reflection exercise and open it up to Q&A. If you have questions along the way, feel free to send them over in the Q&A. We'll do our best to monitor as we're going through, but if we don't get to it during the session, we can answer them at the end of the program.
1: Um, We were actually referred to DSCOOP by a print service provider who has been a client of ours for 26 years. They felt we had a compelling message to deliver, uh, or to share, not deliver, but to share with all of you. And that is why we are here today, and we thank them and do Scoop for that opportunity. Now it is up to us to earn your trust and respect. So I'd like to share the first part of the quote that they shared, and at the end I'll share the other part. Um, By incorporating the predictive index into our interviewing process, we have increased our hiring accuracy and retention to over 90% with the increase responsible for generating over $18 million in the last three years. Coupling management's interviewing skills with the PI, an analytical, practical, and simple tool designed to be used by managers, has transformed our business from good to outstanding results. Um, and that is a print service provider um, client of ours that, that uh, so that's that was part of the, all right, so we can move on. Now, what we did here was when we got all of your predictive index results, you know, I uh, we have, Obviously on your, it says Maverick or Specialist or, you know, um, there's lots of different names for them. But as soon as I saw them all, I thought I spoke with Lexi and Clayton and I said, I think we should start with a team dynamic of what this team as a whole looks like um, so that we can give you some insights right from the this group of 20 that had actually done this. And and basically what um, this is saying about everyone is the fact that, or at least the group, and this is the average of the group. So you can see there's diversity here in the A factor, there's diversity in the B factor. All right, now the height of this tells you how many were checked, as many as they did, all right, et cetera, and why they fell where they did. And also the C drive, which is patience, and the D drive, which is formality or low or high on that. And that's what we measure because the PI is statistically based. So what this is saying about this team overall from a high level is that you are out of the box thinkers overall. You think strategically. Um, You're self-confident and self-motivated. We also have people who are also team-oriented and team-focused as well. Um, On average, we're more, more introspective. Um, There are several that are extroverts and several, obviously, that are um, introverts. So There's a good blend of that. Um, But overall, if you measure them together, we're a little more skeptical and slow to trust. People have to earn our trust and respect. Um, The C factor patients is a little bit on the high side, so it's a little bit more methodical in their approach to how they do things and how they get things done. And then the bottom one is the de facto formality and it's on the lower side. So this is a group that can also be pretty casual and flexible in their style, uninhibited. They could also be blunt. Um, They're more interested in things um, and and may could miss the people perspective at times. There are some that are very people-oriented and others that are not, but there's a lot of good balance here from that. And if it was your company and you could look at something like this, it would give you very good insight into how to not change who you are, but to adapt your style when working with other people. And so with that being said, um, great minds don't always think alike. And, if, and what would happen if you did have um, everyone the same? You know, it would be really boring because everyone's thinking the same way. So the diversity becomes very, very important on a team uh, as well. And so what is a team? A team is a group of unique individuals who have different strengths, different motivators, different communication styles, Different needs and different agendas, and when you think about what has just happened to everybody, you know they were all working and doing their thing, and now we're all working in, a, in a, our home space, most of us, and now things have changed. So how then do we interact with our colleagues who are uh, or direct some reports, etc.? And how do we communicate with them in a way that will help us get to where we need to go quicker as, as a company and get over some of this trauma that's happening in, in the across the world as well. Um, so, so effective teams overall, they leverage those differences to achieve performance excellence. And the key here is working well together to achieve the goals that are needed to be met by the company and the organization. And right now, how do you meet that in a different way? All right, and it's, go ahead.
3: And so the Predictive Index um, measures a person's core behavioral drives. Everybody has drives. Those drives create our needs, and our behaviors are a response to those needs. The PI Behavioral Assessment that many of you filled out measures four primary factors. The A drive is dominance, the drive to exert one's influence on people or events. The B drive is extroversion the drive for social interaction with other people the c drive is patience the drive for consistency and stability and the d drive is formality the drive to conform to rules and structure the pi is statistically based on a bell curve and if you notice when you're looking at your graph there are triangles going up the center that's the norm line you create your own norm line by the total number of adjectives that you've checked anything falling to the right of the norm line is considered a high amount of that drive and anything falling to the left of the norm is considered a low amount of that drive not good or bad not right or wrong just high or low from the norm no two behavioral assessment graphs are exactly alike and each person brings a unique style to a team and as kathy said we do need that diversity that's what makes a team successful Another thing when you're looking at your graph is how far factors fall from the norm. Each one of the vertical bars is a standard deviation. On the high side, it goes moderately high, very high, extremely high, and the same on the low side, moderately low, very low, and extremely low. low. How far that factor is from the norm determines its intensity, further from the norm, the more obvious the behavior and the stronger the motivating needs will be felt. And the closer it is to the norm for that factor, the more flexible I can be. And we'll get into greater depth as we're going through this, but just keep looking at your graph as we're, um, as we're taking you through the factors and then we'll really dig in. So no tool can tell you everything about a person. The PI behavioral assessment is only one piece of the puzzle, and it measures a person's core behavioral drives. It doesn't measure knowledge, skills, and experience, or values and interests, and the whole person shows up at work. So uh, skills and experience can change over time. You can learn new skills and you can teach people skills, but our behavioral drives are relatively unchanged. They're pretty well formed by the time we're about five or 10 years old. They're saying it's even sooner than that. So the, if you're using this, let's say in the hiring process, everything matches up. Your candidate has the right values and interests, knowledge, skills, and experience. But, and you also need their behavioral style to match the demands of the job because each position has a behavioral style as well.
1: Okay, so now um, this is the behavioral assessment. This is one person's results. And this is when, you know, you can look at yours and see that Um, the top graph is the self graph. It's doing what comes naturally to you, who you are when you're at home, when you're tired, when you're under pressure um and let me step back one second there were two questions that each of you was asked when you filled that out check off the words you feel describe the way you are expected to act by others and the second question was describe yourself there were 86 adjectives you check, could check as many or as few as you wanted to and it t- it's an un- it's an untimed survey but typically is done in six to ten minutes tops all right now um the self-graph is an answer to the second question that you answered. Describe the way you are, describe yourself. The first question was check off the words you feel, describe the way you're expected to act by others. And that is the self-concept. The self is what comes naturally to you. It's pretty well formed by the time you're five or 10, where five or 10 could be sooner than that. It's always there and it's always pulling at you. Um, the self-concept is how am I, seeing a need to change in response to the environment. So you can see in looking at these two graphs, there are changes from the top one, um, but they are, there aren't dramatic changes, et cetera. But this change doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a period of three to six months, or it can be going on for five, ten years. We don't know that. And that is why when you're interviewing someone and you see changes there, you may, you can, create interview questions to probe potentially why that person is going through some of the changes that they do and and listen to the answers. And then the final graph that you see is the synthesis, how others can perceive you. They can see you the same way. So if you look at the self graph up here, you can see that the self graph and the the synthesis graphs are pretty similar. Um, In this case, the dominance factor is the highest factor. This is an introvert. Um, who's impatient and structured, all right? And um, so, and then here they're changing that a little bit, they're moving it down. Um, here, the A-factor is moved down and up here, this factor moves lower. But overall, they're pretty comfortable with who they are. So that, that tells the, a basic story uh, about an individual as well. Now, um, the other thing is that if you can we go to the next slide, Lex. So, so what, what I ask you to do now is we're all motivated by the self-graph, and that will be our primary focus for this session here. And certainly afterwards, if anyone wants to call us to go over their own results, we are very open to doing that for you. Um, it is the most important graph, and the one that will be used obviously through the presentation. The highest factor is this person's primary motivator. In this case, it's the D factor, formality. So they are motivated by a plan, security, and getting things done right. All right. So look at your BA graph right now. And what is your highest factor? And the furthest to the right, and put a star next to that factor. And the factor that's furthest to the right is the self, in the self-graph. And that is your primary motivator as well. So just put a, a star next to that.
2: So we're going to go ahead and put a poll up on your screen here to keep things interactive. And a survey was conducted on 75 members of the Stanford Graduate School of Business Advisory Council and they rated what as the most important competency for leaders to develop. So a lot across the board, a lot of folks think it's effective communication. Um, The truth here is all of these are very important, but what the survey found was that self-awareness was ranked at the top of the list. So what we can do with the predictive index behavioral assessment is measure our core drives and needs to understand more about ourselves as managers, and then also understand more about the rest of our organization.
3: and self-awareness is almost the foundation for all of the other skills that we had listed there so in order to effectively communicate i need to understand what my style is first so this the COVID 19 pandemic it's been difficult for all of us and diversity on a team is very important, including behavioral diversity. And no two patterns look the same, and they're all positive. It's not a test. There is no right or wrong answer. When they can become negative is in relation to something else, in relation to the boss that I'm working with, a direct report, the behavioral culture of the team as a whole. And it could also be the demands of the job pulling at me.
2: So let's take this scenario, and let's say I'm the direct report here. We used to work in an office together, now obviously because of this pandemic we're all working remotely. And let's assume my manager and I are the right people in the right roles. We both need each other, but do we really understand each other? My manager and I are a great team together, but now that we're working remotely, things are just not working out the way we had planned. My manager and I have had several uh, Zoom video conferences every day, and on every video call it feels like all we talk about is fluff, and it feels like a waste of time to me. And I don't have full access to all of the information from the office that I need to do my job, and my manager just keeps telling me to take my or make my best guess.
3: So in this scenario, let's say I'm the manager here. My direct report and I occasionally get on Zoom to discuss our work, but I feel like my direct report's not sharing information with me. And every time we get on, they're just trying to end our call. I really feel like they aren't engaged and, and couldn't be bothered with work right now, and I don't understand what's going wrong. Assuming we're the right people in the right roles, what's going wrong here? We worked well together in the office before, but now we just can't seem to get on the same page. So my director, Port, and I took the behavioral assessment and we discussed our results together. So looking at my graph here, my B factor is my highest factor. I'm outgoing, open, and optimistic. I'm empathetic, I can put myself in other people's shoes and I can see where they're coming from. I'm a verbal communicator and I solve my
0: problems
2: by talking them through. And if you take a look at my graph, my B factor is almost my lowest drive. I'm skeptical and I'm low to trust. People have to earn my trust and respect. I don't give it out freely. I'm typically reserved and formal in my communication style, and I'm a thinker rather than a talker. We cut back on the frequency of our Zoom conferences, but now when I need something important for my boss, I give them a call or we jump on a Zoom meeting, they need that FaceTime.
3: My direct report doesn't need that face time like I do. They solve their problems by thinking them through. But since I don't solve my problems by thinking about them, I I solve my problems by talking them through with others. So we just got disconnected. I also started sharing a detailed agenda with Clayton in advance so that he could do the due diligence and do the research. Then when we got to our Zoom conference, we could be precise to the point and he'd have his time to think about it first.
2: My graph also says that uh, my highest factor is the D drive. So, D formality on the high side means I'm precise, I'm careful, and accurate. I pay very close attention to the details of anything that I do. High quality work is of extreme importance to me.
3: My graph is saying my D factor is on the low side, the formality factor. I'm an out of the box thinker, and I don't like a lot of rules or structure boxing me in. The end and I'm a risk taker. I'm comfortable taking my best my best guess when I have to, if there's not enough information. When my direct report, Clayton's biggest fear is to do something and do something that's wrong. When I just tell him to take his best guess, that's not gonna help him move forward. So I tried to create some new pipelines for him to get his information, to look it up so that he can collect all the data that he needs to move forward. But sometimes, that information isn't always accessible now that we've been thrown into this remote work environment. And I think, I think Clayton is still struggling with the lack of information I can provide. Clayton, yep, for the information I'll, I can't, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. For the information I can't get, um, where we need to make our best guess, I won't hold you accountable for your errors if something goes wrong.
2: Okay. I'll see what I can do. I'm still worried about making a mistake here. Uh, Can you send me the information that you have and uh, repercussions if something does go wrong? I need the written word and everything lined out for me.
3: Yes, of course. So since Clayton's biggest fear is to do something and do something that's wrong, me just telling him that I'll take the blame or I'll take the pressure off him and it's not gonna be a reflection on the quality of his work product, isn't gonna be enough. I need to give him the written word. I need to put it in writing so that he's comfortable, he can refer back to it, he knows that I said it and has a record of it.
2: And as the direct report in this situation, it's really helped me understand my manager's style. And now I understand the why behind what they want to do. And I'm I'm empowered to ask for more information and time to think it through since uh, I asked for uh, Lex to send me the information that they have. I'm more comforted by that. So the real power of the BA is when a company learns it. It creates a common language between myself and my team members, myself and my manager that empowers others to not only understand themselves from a data-driven perspective, but also to understand their team members. And that's one of the most important pieces this can bring.
3: And having that data, the backup behind it, to have those questions, to ask for the things that you may not have asked for before is, is the real power in the tool too. Great leaders uh, regularly reflect on their impact on the world around them. And they understand their behavioral strengths, potential blind spots, and opportunities for growth. Great leaders have unique leadership styles tailored specifically for the person that they're leading.
1: Um. You know, the other thing, too, when uh, there's no right or wrong predictive index, nor is there a better or worse one. And we have leaders who are low dominance and high dominance and high structure and low structure. And um, every one of them can be very successful leaders in various roles. And then and that's why when understanding some of the. you know, people that are on your team, and as you hire them too, we'll talk about that a little later on. But now the focus needs to be on you. Um, this this is the dominance factor, all right. And uh, and what we'd like to do now is the the um, we're looking at the norm line, um, which is where your pattern starts, all right. And where is your uh, Factor. And now we're looking at the dominance factor. And the dominance factor is the drive to exert one's influence on people or events. And people who have that as their highest factor tend to take control a lot and may not be the best of listeners um, because they tend to tell people what to do. Um, on the other hand, so just and then, so now if it's on the high side, so you would check the high side. Now um, we look and see, and if it's on the low side of the norm, that means that. Person is a low A, meaning um, their highest factor is their primary motivator. But you can't have all of them on one side. Um, they have to be three or two, on, but there's always got to be one factor on each side, and then the other two could fall in other places. Um, so low. And then on the norm um, line is situational. That means that that person can be, in this case, the A factor. I can be more... Um, I can still be independent and self-confident, but I also can be a team player as well because it's so close to the norm. So these these um, variations here really do mean something as well. Um, now, so, it, um, can I, sorry, Kathy, can I jump in here quick?
3: If yeah. you look at your behavioral pattern, looking at your self-graph, where does your A factor fall? And on. Workbook page six, you can check off the box for your A factor, if it falls low on the norm or on the high side. And then one thing about the predictive index, when you're looking at a pattern, it's very hard to look at one single factor at a time. The whole pattern is pulling at you. On the right side of that box on workbook page six, there's space to write down some some words that resonate with you, some thoughts. Every single thing may not be perfect because the rest of the pattern is pulling at you as well.
1: Okay. Um, now, we're gonna use examples now in this pattern here. And this is the dominance factor. And, and some key words of a uh, high, high dominant person, they're independent, they're assertive, um, they take charge, they're competitive, they want to win. Um, now they're competitive and want to win. Venturesome, they try new things they're always looking for new and better and different ways to approach things and they're and they're challenging as well they can challenge other people's thinking and they're not challenging them as people they're just challenging you know the idea potentially that the other person may have on the other side we have uh, the low dominance people etc and they're collaborative they tend to be more team oriented and we'll, we'll be talking about where people's confidence, too, comes from with respect to this. People who are high on um, the A is high, they are confident moving into new areas. And someone who's lower on A lacks confidence in when moving into a new situation. Their confidence is going to come from somewhere else. They're also accommodating, they're supportive, they're harmony-seeking, and they're cooperative. And please don't take that to mean that these are yes people, because they're not, yes, They're not, um, et cetera. And they may not often ask for praise, uh, but they do need it. Um, that's one of the things too. So um, in this case on the right, I have a high A leader. Um, and again, their patterns are fairly narrow, so they can compliment one another because of, of that as well. Um, but this is someone who is a high A, but they're a good listener because their pattern is fairly narrow, but they still are self-confident um, as well there's space to write down some of these words on on you in your book as well on on page six
3: so we want to make this interactive we're going to keep up with the polling questions if clayton you want to jump in here
2: sure if we'd like to launch our first poll you will see two questions here about the a factor dominance and just looking at some of those descriptors that we've used who do you think would thrive on teamwork Someone high on the A drive, high dominance, or low on the A drive, low dominance. And our second question is, who do you think would thrive on new ideas? Same two answers, high A or low A. So who thrives on teamwork and who thrives on new ideas? Great, Mm -hmm. very good. So number one, who thrives on teamwork? that's going to be the low A or the low dominance individual. Low A's, because they're collaborative and accommodating and supportive, they're all about the team and spreading around not only the, um, the uh, risk, but also the success, right? So it's all about us, we, and the team. And on the second question, who thrives on new ideas, right again, that's going to be the high A individual, someone that's independent and competitive. They're going to want to come up with new ideas and new ways of doing things. And what was mentioned before, where that confidence comes from, the high dominance individual, their confidence comes from within. They've got a plan, they know what to do, and they're going to uh, put it forth.
3: So, Kathy, in a remote work environment, I I know this COVID-19 time is going to be difficult for all of us in different ways, but how would a high A versus a low A react to being thrown out of the water and and now working remotely?
1: Well, the the high A um, is going to make Good of the situation. No one likes it, etc. But they like new things, and this is a challenge for them. Um, and I'm not saying they'll love it. I can tell you that much. But when I'm low on dominance, I really have now I'm out of my element, and I lack confidence now. Now I'm working from home. I I don't know what the expectations are for me and what I should be doing. Um, so as a result, the two of them need to really understand one another and understand how to more effectively work together. And in in this case, the the person on the left, the one who's low on dominance, would they necessarily call that boss? Uh, If they have a good relationship with them, yes, but not naturally. They're waiting for their boss to call them and maybe give them information, and then they execute on it etc so and you know i've worked with people like that i remember i had one gentleman who had a pattern like that dominant person and his a factor was way to the right and that the person on the left side was the one his number two people person and um and she he told her that i went to this class and he said and i took this class and um and they told me that I should be nicer to you. And she said, I don't know what happened there, but I think you should take that class again. All right. But these are people who really do need some insights and some help as, as they go along. The high A now on the other side is independent and they need to be out there communicating with other people. or like to touch base with people and, and know when new ideas are happening or they read. Et cetera. But being confined to a home is really tough as well. So those are some of the dynamics that could play out. For
3: those high A's, are, are they going to challenge challenge you when
1: we're working together? Do high A's challenge others? Well, high A's, all, yeah, they do challenge other people uh, and and throw out new ideas. And they want them. And, and see, the other thing with a dominant person, and this person in this graph is not that dominant, but um, they uh, – they don't like to be challenged in, in, in a meeting, especially when the extroversion factor is on the high side. So, um, but they don't need that praise as much. If, and if I don't need it, why would I ever think of giving it to you? All right, so those are the things that you know. I know, I learned all of this when I was a long time ago and it really gave me such quality insight into understanding why people do what they do. And there is no right or wrong or better than or, or worse, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think we need to.
3: Both high A's and low A's want to win, but for very different reasons. High A's want to win for the challenge; they want to compete, and low A's want to win for the team success.
1: Okay, we can do things my way, my way, or my way. Um, pick one, all right? And and that's that's a high A uh, person may not think about the other person having having an opinion about that. Um, now, and here. This is, here's two patterns here. This this boss now is an extrovert. Um, on the right, the altruist. Um, this is their A factor is on the lower side, so they're warmer, and the B factor extroversions on the high side, so they care very much about people. Their C factor is low, so they get things done fast, and their D factor is on the higher side. So this is a cautious leader, but someone who really wants her team to be successful and also has people on the team who are strategists, et cetera, and they, can, they work very effectively together. And this boss will also pump up um, the people on the team and they, they're looking for the team to get the award, not necessarily mm-hmm. the individual to get the award. Um, so that's mm-hmm. an example of you know, an extrovert being pulling, pulling the team together, and especially with that low A as, as well there on the PI. Yeah.
3: So looking at your graph, where does your extraversion factor fall? We're still focusing just on that top graph, the self-graph. Does it fall to the right, on the norm, or to the left? And you can mark that in your workbook on page six. So if I'm high on extraversion, I'm outgoing, personable, I'm convincing. I can be an enthusiastic person and a talker. Remember, the whole pattern is pulling at you as well. And then on the low side, I'm more introspective, matter of fact, and analytical. more reflective, I'm more of a thinker than a talker. So now we're gonna do the uh, polling questions again, get you thinking before we get into depth about the extroversion factor.
2: So taking a look again at those descriptors, the high side and the low side, we've popped the uh, poll questions up there. Who do you think would take great pride in receiving an award at a company function? Would that be the high B, high extroversion, or low B, low extroversion? And in our second question, who needs time to think about something before they give you the, an answer? Is that gonna be a high B or a low B? So go ahead and submit your answers there. And once we've got a majority, 100% across the board, there you go. Mm -hmm. Got a sharp group in here. So who would take great pride in receiving an award at a company function? Absolutely. The high B. They're outgoing. They're personable. They have that need for social interaction and social recognition. So when they get that award uh, in front of the entire company, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Question two. Who needs time to think of, uh, about something before they give you an am- answer? Absolutely, the low B, low extroversion. They're introspective, analytical, and reflective, so they need time to process that information and think about it before they come back with a well-drafted uh, answer for you.
3: Mm-hmm. Those high Bs, they trust people easily. They're outgoing, open, and optimistic. They tend to see that class as half full rather than half empty. They're also empathetic. They can put themselves in other people's shoes and they can see where they're coming from. Low bees, on the other hand are skeptical and slow to trust. You really have to earn their trust and respect. And they're a little bit more private and serious in their communication style. And they solve their problems by thinking them through. High bees might be struggling now that we're working remotely. They need that face time. These are the people that are gonna pop their head in your office and check in on how your weekend was. How are you doing? and also on their problems. That's how they solve their problems, by talking them through. The low Bs now, they don't necessarily need those Zoom video conferences in this remote environment. They need that quick email, send me the instant chat, and then we'll move on. We'll get it done, because they're very more, much more analytical and technical on how they approach things. Low Bs would benefit from asking those high B colleagues how, how their weekend was, engaging, giving them a phone call if they're working together on something. And vice versa, the high Bs working with the low Bs would benefit from sending them that instant message or that chat um, or via email as well.
1: And I also worked with a group of people on the right who are um, marketing people. And uh, and then they had this one woman on their team who was very similar to the low B on this side. And um, they were at an event and uh, they were giving awards out. And they gave her an award and asked her to come up to the podium. And she went up to the podium and she's now I'm teaching them. They're in the class with me. I'm teaching them. And they said, um, she said, I got that award and I walked out the door. And they, they looked at her and said, we didn't know why you left. And she said, not only, and then she turned back to me and she said, Kathy, not only did they ask me to go up there and get that award, they also asked me to say, give a speech, which this person was not prepared for. And she said, I didn't talk to them for two weeks. And she said, but I, we get along great, et cetera. And I just had to get over it. So there's just different ways that people respond, you know, to different situations as well. I called this
3: meeting to try to figure out what we're collaborating on. Who likes meetings, high bees or low bees? The high bees. I'm 97% sure you don't like me, but I'm 100% sure I don't care. Who doesn't care what you think about them? High Bs or low Bs? Low Bs. And this is probably a high A as well because they're direct and telling. They're telling you they don't care. Um, And their pattern probably looks pretty similar to this here. And that's one of the key factor relationships. When we were saying that we can't look at an individual factor by itself, is the A dominance to B extroversion relationship. Whenever the A is further to the right than the B extroversion, I'm technically oriented, meaning I like to solve problems and figure things out. Whenever the B factor is further to the right than the A, I'm more people oriented in my style. So now looking at your self-graph, which factor um, it is greater in your case. Are you more people-oriented or more technically oriented? And just make a note on your graph there.
1: And it doesn't matter where the relationship, it doesn't have to look exactly like that, but if your A factor dominance is further to the right than your B, you're interested in things and you're more technical and the person who has the B greater than A um, then in regardless, it could be on the low side, that A, you know, I'm more people focused as well. Okay, and, and now we're moving to the C factor patients. Um, so here again, once again, I ask you to look at your your graph and decide, in this case, the low, C is low. So this person is very impatient, all right? If you're on the norm line or high, check that on your on your page for yourself, all right? So now these are the um, the patience factor. These are some of the words or adjectives that would explain them. They're patient, they're stable, they're calm, they're composed, they're comfortable with the familiar. They also have sitability. They can sit for longer periods of time than someone, let's say, who's on the other side. So they're more patient, all right, and they are very good listeners. People know when they're talking to them that they are listening to them. On the other side, we have someone, and there is no right or wrong here, it's just different. Um, When it's on the low side, I'm impatient. I can't sit still for very long. I'm intense, I'm driving. I I like to work at the last minute, and so I can leave things to the last minute. And I also can be brisk in my in my response as well. So it adds intensity, you know, to my style. The lower that C is, the more intense I am. Um, so those are the relationships there now between the two of them um, at this time you know, if, if the um, person who's low C here, and especially since this is a dominant person who's impatient, um, they see the big picture and they immediately might wanna just send an email to the person on the right and say, here, just go run with this. Could you get this done by two o'clock this afternoon? And the person on the other side is saying, whoa, what is this? I don't even understand what this is. So I need a little bit more time to uh, understand. You could have, you, and yet the person on the left could have known it last week, but now they have to give it to that person tomorrow. But if they know that the person that they're giving this to, this is all things being equal, they're the right person in the right job, the, the same intelligence, et cetera, they need to have a little bit more time to give back a stellar program for for that that bo- if that was the boss on the left side
3: and in a remote environment any way you can create for the high c someone who's high on patients create some consistency and stability some systematic uh systems and processes for them that would be important in the low c they work well under pressure and last minute constraints so creating a sense of urgency
1: with this cartoon um, this would be a someone who's obviously impatient could do lots of things at one time Um, I think the person that's high on patience would be um, taking things one time one one day at a time as well and then this is a very interesting um, slide Um, obviously with the pattern that you see up here, that person is an introvert and they're structured and they're patient and they're deep in thought. So this person has started to solve a problem in their head and now they're working on it. And then they're they're close to getting it right. And then all of a sudden, someone like this comes over and says, hey, do you have a second? And then poof, it goes away. Um, that can be very frustrating. That person can look up from their desk, the top graph here, can look up from their desk and say, why didn't you, you know, Come come in my office right away. I would talk to you later. When you see someone like that deep in thought, that's what you may have to just step away and then send them an email because someone like this would prefer an email to let you know that they're coming in, they need to talk to you about something. But when they're in the middle of something, it could throw the whole thought process off.
3: So, looking at your D factor, where does your D factor formality fall? The drive to conform to rules and structure. The D factor in this case is on the high side. So I'm going to check the high box. So high Ds, they're meticulous, cautious, deliberate, and conventional. They're disciplined. They want to do things by the book. And then on the low side, I'm more flexible and spontaneous and casual. I'm a nonconformist and I'm adaptable in my style. So now to get you thinking, we're going to do our little polling questions here.
2: All right, so if we take a look at those descriptors, who would rather not do it at all than do something wrong? That high D, high formality, someone who's meticulous, cautious, deliberate, conventional, and disciplined, or someone on the low side of formality? And then who do you think would delegate the expertise or the detail work to others? Who would delegate that work out? So go ahead and submit your answers once we've got those. In, we'll go ahead and show them. All right, so who would rather not do it at all than do something wrong? That's going to be the high D individual. Someone that's high in formality, they wanna know exactly what to do so they can do it right, and if they don't have the information that they need, they'd rather not proceed forward, right? If we take a look at the bottom, who will delegate the expertise work to others? That's going to be the low D. Someone who is low on formality, who's flexible, spontaneous, non-conforming, they're more so generalists and that they're not concerned about the detail work, so they'd rather have somebody else uh, cross the T's and dot the I's. Great.
3: High D's are precise, careful, and accurate. They pay very close attention to those details. They thrive on opportunities to work within their area of expertise. If they're moving outside, of their area of expertise into something new. They need that time to study, train, and dig into it, learn everything about it before they have to make a major decision in there, in that new area. Lodi's, on the other hand, they're not afraid to just wing it. They're more big picture focused. And if they wing it, they'll figure it out. If If it all gets messed up, they'll go to the next thing and figure it out. They're more comfortable moving outside of their area of expertise.
1: And and another thing that I can add here too is, and Lexi and Clayton had talked about a little bit, is that, when the formality factor the d factor is higher than the a i'm cautious when moving into new areas so i'm not going to jump into that new area very quickly where this person over here is a high and no d the d's on the low side so this is a real risk taker and this person could be a good person to work for that person but they have to know and understand one another the other thing here is this person is b over a and that means they're more people oriented however however with that D factor on the high side, that disciplines everything. So you're not necessarily going to see that B uh, coming out in that person. In this case, this is going to look like the extrovert really out there because they're always challenging people and talking. When in fact, this person's B factor falls on the on the norm line. So there's a lot that you can really learn um, in, in things like this. And and this person on the right, who is um, formal and and structured, she does. This is someone who really does need some attention from. Their boss um, to just give them the plan and to write down even bullet things down for them. So and tell them to look at it and then come back to you with questions to the person on the right. Okay,
3: rules are good. Rules help control the fun. Is Monica from Friends a high D or a low D? She's a high D. Who has the rules for fun? Ooh, cut the red wire. What's the worst that could happen? So the relationship that Kathy had just mentioned a little bit about was the A dominance to D formality relationship. The person saying this, cut the red wire, what's the worst that can happen? Their A is further to the right than their D. They're a risk taker. They're not afraid to take a risk when they need to. But now if they're telling this person over here who's much more cautious in their decision-making to just cut the red wire, he's going to be worried because he does not not want to cut the red wire if he hasn't done it before. If that's his area of expertise, he'll cut the red wire, no problem. But if he's uncomfortable or hasn't done it before, he needs to study, train, and dig into it first. So looking at your um, pattern in the self-graph, look at what your A dominance to D formality relationship is and write down whether it's, A greater than D and you're a risk taker, or more cautious in your decision making if the D is further to the right than the A.
1: Okay, and now we're going to be looking at um, the width of a pattern, the width of a predictive index pattern. With means something, Um, as we said in the beginning, the narrower the pattern, the the harder the person is to read. But the wider the pattern is, the more intense the behavior, and the more obvious the behavior. So in this case, we want to measure how wide this predictive index pattern is. So these are these little dashes here. If you look at your graph, you'll see little dashes, and these are called fifths of a standard deviation, all right? So we want to um, measure from high to low. So what I ask you to do is to count how many standard deviates, fifths of a standard deviation there are here. And Lexi just move the thing through. Yeah, so this pattern is 13 fifths wide. And aura and you divide it by five and you come up with 2.6 standard deviations. So just do that for your own pattern and just put check off where that belongs. And as I said, the wider the pattern, the more intense the behavior. Um a behavioral pattern is calculated using a statistical bell curve, as you can see. And um, if you're looking at your own self-graph, now you can get a good feel for how wide you are and how how intense or not intense you are as well. And, and there is no right or wrong uh, predictive index. I can, can't stress that enough. We are who we are, and pretty much we're formed by the time of five or 10, that self-graph is pretty well formed. Okay. So to keep that in perspective, um, 68% of the total population of predictive index patterns are within two standard deviations from high to low. 27% fall from two to four standard deviations wide. Approximately 4.9% fall within um, four to six standard. And then there's 0.111 that's out there. The wider the pattern, the more intense the behavior, the more obvious the behavior. You know, I had worked with Children's Hospital up in Boston, and there's one gentleman whose pattern was seven standard deviations wide, and he was causing chaos in the company. And after he learned all of this, about six months later, he wrote me a a beautiful letter and said... Um, I left and I'm starting my own business and years later he wrote me a note back and said this has been that was the best experience of my life because now I'm, I'm out there doing what I love and I found what I love so sometimes people just are not a fit for that particular place that they're at and they do and that's why people move to other lots of times can move to different situations all right and then the one on the right is, is only about five-fifths, so one standard, and you cannot read them. And, uh, and when you're with them, you know that, and you think something's wrong, why aren't they saying anything? It's because they don't see the need to say yes, anything, you know, in that, in that particular case, they're, they're processing and thinking. So, completely different, two different patterns, very similar in style, but yet very different people. Okay, Lex.
2: <laughs> to effectively
1: communicate. Oh, go ahead, Lex.
3: We must realize that we are all different in the way we perceive the world. And we must use this understanding as a guide to our communication with others. Everybody's looking through a different lens. And the key is understanding what lens that is. And there is no right or wrong lens that you're looking for, just is. Mm-hmm.
2: And then
1: All right, And um, we're just going to show you some applications, you know, of the, of the PI as we go through this too. Um, if you just have your PI, that's great. And you get, you learn about yourselves, um, but you're running companies and you're running businesses. So how do we use this thing anyway? Just And it's great to understand yourself, but there's a job assessment um, as well. Uh, there where you measure the job, the Behavioral demands of a job and what that's a subjective tool versus the predictive index, which is an objective tool So you want to have key people who are involved in that role to fill out that job assessment to come up and then they get together and they talk about it And then they look at, now they say, okay, well, let's go look at some of our successful performers that if you have them in the company, that's a great thing. Um, So now you can see, do they they match that job assessment? Or maybe we need to tweak that job assessment just a little bit, you know, and it's just giving you a range. And that's why it's, there's, you know, the boxes for each one of them are, have a certain length. So it doesn't have to be exactly here, exactly here. But in this case, they're saying, I want an A factor on the high side and a B factor, extroversion on the high side but the a is greater than the b ideally here the c factor patients on the low side and the d factor is on on low as well, but that's what we call a corporate hook. That means I'll do what's necessary to get the job done, but I also can juggle a lot of things. Now they're going to be reporting to this person as a manager, right? And this manager has a number of people. So now these are your applicants here. All right. So again, now this person did the predictive index. And um, and now if you look from the top graph to the middle, there's a lot of change going on here. Um, why are they changing? How long have they been changing? And that's where we're interview questions can help pull that out. And this could have been short term for maybe three months or four months, but it could have been, could be a long time in which time, in which case they've been changing themselves. So it's going to take time for them to get back. In this case down here, and let's assume all other things are equal, they both have great resumes, they both have great references, you know, this person is um, more of a match for for that job, but that they may ultimately decide not to move forward or they may move forward. The other thing that the program also gives you is interview questions to, they put, lay the the graph of the person over the job assessment and as a result you can it produces very good interview questions for you to make to help them understand and mostly probe towards behavioral type things that you can ask good questions about as well.
3: Another thing that you can do like we shared in the beginning you can look at the behavioral culture of a team as a whole And just for time's sake, I'm just gonna move on to some tips for successfully managing remote teams. So honing your self-awareness and understand that each employee drives and motivators may be different. What motivates you might not motivate your direct report. Check in on your team members as a person. Uh, Ask. This is a difficult time for everyone right now, checking in to see how they're doing as a person, how is their family? Managing for substance not adherence to nine to five. Many of us also have families and kids at home with us now, uh, and we might not be able to work our regular hours. Building a communication rhythm and set clear expectations for remote workers. We need to translate that communication rhythm that we had in person to now our remote work environment. Leveraging uh, the collaboration tools to bring the team together, there are so many tools available, Zoom, Slack, um, instant messaging, all, using all of those uh, tools that are available is important. But the real key to any team, and especially a remote team, is trust. Uh, leading through these uncertain times really requires agility, empathy, and communication, uh, and building that trust work to continue to build on the trust that you had with your team in person. And then we have some uh, adapting your style, self-reflection questions. Um, In your workbook on page seven, if you wanna write down knowing what you, or learning what you learned today, some of your behavioral strengths, what could be some of your blind spots or things that you may not have noticed or may not pick up on when you're working with someone else. And what's one thing that, that you would, might do differently knowing what you know now. And we can start to open up Q&A now as people are starting to put this in. It's up to um, you, Kathy and Clayton, as well as Mm DScoop.
2: We did have one question here. Um, Does it matter if my A, for example, is further to the right than my D drive, Uh, for example, in the self, self self-concept, or synthesis graphs? I did answer that in the Q&A box there. It does matter when you're interpreting your graphs and understanding which drive is higher or lower, but there's no inherently right or wrong um, layout for your pattern. So if your A drive is further to the right than your D drive, that simply means that your dominance drive is is higher and may be more expressive than that D or formality drive. Um, If they're both on the high side, that simply means you are both high in dominance and formality but the one that is further to the high side is going to be a bit more expressive.
1: Uh, and, if, and if all three patterns are similar, if all three patterns are similar, that means you're overall pretty comfortable with who you are. Um, if the shape of it is the same as well. And, and Kathy, the only... if it's
0: not the same, if, if, if the three shift a lot, what, what does that
1: mean? Well, if the three shifts, well, if, and then it, if you, if you have the top graph as your core, it's doing what comes naturally to you. Mm-hmm. So in the middle graph, if that's shifted, you know, completely to the other way, that's, that's hard work. Um, to just think about one thing that you might want to change. Let's say, you know, I'm more of a big picture person, and now I have to be very detailed and really detailed. And so just to pull that one factor up, is a lot of work. And now I'm expected to change my C factor, move that to the high side, my B factor to the low side. You know, all of that's hard work, right? And the key is to get back to that core, because that's, that's the person that you really are in so many ways. And we have another
0: At the question end? here about yep. um, someone says they have an E in their synthesis. I do
1: too. And
0: uh, okay.
1: That's a good question. Um, now, that's a good question. You, the only place that, okay, to answer that, the, the P, the, um, when you check that checklist, they, as I said, they were A, B, C, or D, or nothing next to some of the words, they were control words, but they also, um, some of those words relate to that E factor, which you will only see in the synthesis, all right, and that's telling us whether someone's subjective or objective in their thinking. So you look at the norm line in the synthesis, and if that little circle falls to the right, you're objective and if it falls to the left i'm subjective so if i'm objective i'm fact based you know i ask questions why 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 And if it's on the low side, I'll go with my gut if something feels right and they should listen to it if it's it's telling you that. They also could let their emotions get involved, but it also gives them a good people sense as well. For example, I, in my family, have all objective people and I'm one fifth low on that subjective side, and I have to tell them to stop being so black and white all the time, all right? So, um, but that's what that means. That's a good question.
0: Great, I think we have at this point, there are no open questions, but I wanted to thank Clayton and Lexi and Kathy. It's such a great deep dive. I hope we've all learned a lot about ourselves and probably uh, some of the folks that you work with on your team. If you do have questions, uh, you'll be able to um, see this recording in a few days. Maybe you or your colleagues might watch it. Uh, The team here has made it available for you to take the uh, behavioral assessment after today's webinar. You'll see that in the link on the events page at dscoop.com and the recorded page, and also in the registration that you saw. And they will send you your report. You'll be able to download the workbook. And there's uh, Kathy or Lexi, will you tell them a little bit about, uh, in addition to the report or their BA graph, what that report, uh, their their ability to receive is?
1: It, well, two things. I'll let Lexi answer that one. Um, the second question, and um, but there are two quotes here. I wanted to um, just share quickly before everyone got off. Got off the call, is if we could. All right. Yeah, go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so consider how hard it is to change yourself, and you'll understand. What little chance you have of trying to change others, you know, it's hard. Think about one thing that you're changing that's really difficult, and and keep that in mind when you want someone to be just like you, etc., or get it done the way you do. It, it's not going to happen. So the key is, how do I understand the people who work with and for me, and help not change who I am, but adapt my style. And then lastly, the other quote that I'd like to share with you is the end of that quote from that print service provider. We have also used the PI to identify future leaders, succession planning, and ensure the best match among managers, employees, and peers, team building, helping to create a positive, productive, and harmonious work environment. The power of the PI comes from its accuracy, simplicity, and speed. It provides management with an objective method for evaluating and understanding people that has been extremely useful in building a great team that achieves both group and personal success in a positive, upbeat environment. And quite honestly, I, I, was, I was very honored when they, when they, agreed, they sent me this, and uh, so, and PI Melanic as well. So. But um, I, I want to, Lexi, Clayton, and I want to thank you so much. And Clayton, and, ba- and um, Lexi, why don't you answer that last question? <laughs>
3: so the reports will have some verbiage around the the graph that you received already it will also have a copy of the graph and kathy clayton and i are also open to discussing your patterns with you in greater depth if anybody has any questions or would like to discuss um, we will include our contact information when we send out the email as well with the report
0: that's so great thank you all so much and uh so as i said they've put their contact information. If you haven't taken your BA, please feel free to do that, your behavioral assessment. We will have the recording up in a few days with the links as well, and uh, the ability to share and ask additional questions. And we'll field those over to Kathy, Lexi, and Clayton, and they will answer those as quickly as they can. And I just want to thank everybody so much for attending, and also our presenters for the in-depth deep dive into who we are and what we can expect with our PI.
1: Thank you very much.